Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Acts chapter 12, we're going to try to answer the question, should the word Easter be in your Bible? Is it a mistranslation or is it a correct translation? Acts chapter 12, verse number one. The Bible says, now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, I'd like to say in the beginning here that Herod, we all know that he was just an evil, murderous man. John 8, 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Herod, Herod's father was the devil. He was just an evil, evil man. And before we get started in this message, just a little foreshadowing uh, here that we can get out of this. Uh, there is going to come a time during the tribulation where there's going to be a type of antichrist. That's Herod, a wicked ruling king. Uh, he's good. There's going to be a man of sin. It's going to be a false Christ. And so you can see that foreshadowing there, uh, make the connection with Herod. But after the church is caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, there is going to be a Jewish remnant that will suffer martyrdom. We can see that James, he's killed by the sword. And then also another part of the Jewish remnant that will be delivered. Well, we see Peter. Peter's imprisoned, but we're not going to get to it this morning, but he'll be he's delivered so we can see that little bit of foreshadowing there just to start off this message uh, but in acts chapter 12 if you look at verse number four the word that we're trying to look at this morning is it says intending after easter and every single modern version takes that word out and puts passover in there so i'd like to try to bring some understanding and the main argument or at least one of the arguments is is that easter really is just another way of saying passover it's basically a word that, combine, that combines Passover, the days of unleavened bread, and just combines them into one, one word to encompass the entirety of that time. And let's get a few places in Scripture so we can get some understanding on where that comes from. Let's turn back to the Old Testament and let's get into the book of Ezekiel go back to Ezekiel chapter number 45 Ezekiel 45 and let's get Matthew 26 Ezekiel 45 Matthew chapter number 26 and we will start just with those two for right now Ezekiel chapter number 45 We'll start in the 21st verse. Ezekiel 45, verse number 21. The Bible says, in the first month, in the 14th day of the month, ye shall have the Passover. 
a feast of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. So it's that first month, and you can see the 14th day of the month, you shall have the Passover, a feast of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. Let's get Matthew 26. We'll read all these verses together, and I think it'll make good sense to you. Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse number 17. The Bible says, Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus unto him, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? You see that? First day of the feast, unleavened bread, and at the end, prepare for thee to eat. The Passover. One more verse, and then we'll tie the thoughts together. Luke 22. I think this is probably the clearest one to make the point. But let's look at it together. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse number one. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. So if Ezekiel 45 and Matthew 26 weren't that clear to you, I think Luke 22, 1 brings it all together. The argument is, is that Easter is really just another way to say the word Passover. After all, Luke 22, 1 says, now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And we're going to get into this in a minute, but you've got one and then the other, or you can have all of them together called one thing. Does it make sense? Hopefully it will when we continue to move on. But the reading of the text, go back to Acts 12, and let's read that verse again together. Because there's one word in Acts 12 that I think is going to clear this up. Acts chapter 12. We're in verse number four, and there's one word that we didn't see when we read Ezekiel. Matthew and Luke and look at it in verse number four. I'm sorry, in verse number three, I'm sorry. There's one word in verse number three that we didn't see in the last three verses. Watch. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Now watch it. Then were the days of unleavened bread. That word then, this is, this is when Peter's arrest took place. So, Let's go to Exodus 12, Exodus chapter 12. We'll look at the first Passover here in Exodus chapter number 12, verse number one. Let's get some, let's get some uh, Bible reading here in the first six verses. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for this lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or 
from the goats and you shall keep it. Here it is until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So we have what they're to do from the 10th to the 14th. And then the 14th killed. I see that one day, the 14th killed. Now look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12. Uh, or let's look at the end of verse number 11. It is the Lord's Passover. Now verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Last verse. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. See that in this day. That's one day. That's one. That's one day that that's going to happen. And you shall keep a feast to the Lord throughout your generation. Just keep a feast by an ordinance forever. So we saw preparations of the 10th to the 14th. And then we see in verses 12 to the 14th, what happens? One night, one night they're told to do that. And the Lord's going to, it's going to pass over, right? We all, we all know that story. Now look at Exodus chapter 17 though. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Exodus 12, verse 17, stay in the same chapter. Exodus chapter 12, look at verse 17. And ye shall observe, observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your enemies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Verse 18, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. We get all this. The 14th Passover. Now. From the 15th all the way to the 21st. You had additional days. Of unleavened bread. That would be days when they ate bread without leaven. Make sense. One day. At even the Passover. You kill that lamb, sprinkle the blood, the Lord passes over. What do you think? For the next week, they did that every day. <laughs> would you think they did that for the next seven days? No, they did that one night, Passover, and then they had seven days as unleavened bread where they would eat bread without leaven. Everybody see that? One happens, then the other happens. So why are you saying on that? Well, because in Acts chapter 12, people that want to correct the King James Bible said, look, the word Easter shouldn't be there. It should just be Passover because like we saw in the previous verse in Luke, it could just be used as a term to just compile the one night event plus the seven days of events. And you know why that can't be? The first point I'm trying to make to you this morning the reason that can't be is because it says in Acts chapter 12, then were the days of unleavened bread. So how do we have to understand the Bible? How do we have to read the Bible? 
We have to read it in its context. We've got to understand the context. When it says, then were the days of unleavened bread, that's pretty clear to me that, okay, Passover happened. Now they're entering into those, the 15th to the 21st of those days. Clearly a distinction there. Go to Numbers 28. Numbers 28. Now it's early to think like this, but I'm asking you to stay with me and look at Numbers 28. Numbers 28, verse number 16. Numbers 28, verse 16, the Bible says, And in the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. How many days would that be in that context? One day. One day. Now keep reading. And in the 15th day of this month, is the feast seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten the 14th you have a day now the 15th to the 21st you have a feast a day followed by seven days of feasting that would be bread without leaven in it you don't have to turn there but second chronicles 30 verse 15 says then they killed the Passover on the 14th day. Does Luke 22 and the passage in Ezekiel and the passage in Matthew that we look at, are there times in the Bible, especially in the Luke passage, where you take that word Passover to encompass the totality of what went on? Yes, you can make that argument. But there are also verses in the scripture where clearly there is a distinction that is made, like in the ones that we just looked at specifically Exodus chapter number 12 and Numbers 28 and the Second Chronicles verse, where there is a clear distinction that one is a day followed then by seven days of feasting, a day and then a week of feast. In Acts chapter 12, the giveaway is the word then. Then were the days of unleavened bread, a clear distinction between, well, what's then? It would be after that day. Get Ezra chapter uh, number 19. Ezra chapter number 19. Uh, Ezra's right before Nehemiah. You keep flipping back from Psalms, you'll come through the book of Job, keep flipping, you'll go past Nehemiah, and then you will come to the book of Ezra. And in Ezra chapter number six, we'll want to be at Ezra chapter number six, look at verse number 19. The Bible says, and the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. That's pretty clear. One day was the 14th. Look at Ezra chapter 6 and go down to the 22nd verse. And kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. The Lord made them joyful and turned 
heart of the king of Assyria unto them. And it goes on. But we see again a day followed by what? A feast. One day, seven days of feasting. You completely botch the translation of the Bible if you decide that you want to take the liberty to take Easter out in Acts chapter 12, verse 4, and make it Passover. That word should be there. Why? Easter is correct because there was another celebration that was happening. It was a pagan celebration that pagan Rome celebrated, and that would be Easter. <laughs> it should not be Passover. There, That's already gone. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Intending after Easter, well, if they're in the days of unleavened bread, if it's intending after Passover, that doesn't even make sense because Passover already happened. Then were the days of unleavened bread. There has to be something else coming up that people are celebrating. And Christians aren't celebrating it, but pagan Rome is. Let's go back to Acts 12 and get our spot there. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse number three, we'll, we'll read it again. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. During this feast, Peter's arrested. James is killed. The Jewish Passover was held on the 14th. They were killed and arrested during after that, during those days of unleavened bread. So you've got four events. Four events that I want us to understand this morning. One is the Passover. That was a day. After that, there are seven days of feasting called the days of unleavened bread. And then there's Easter. Passover and Easter are not the same day. Passover is always on the same day, followed by the feasting of unleavened bread. Easter is not on the same day. That's why every year it's a different date. Because they're not the same, they're different. Passover comes before the days of unleavened bread. Yes, Luke shows that the term can be used to encompass both. We already looked at those verses. But in this context, it's clear that you had Passover, then the days of unleavened bread, and the days of unleavened bread, at least back in Acts 12, came before Easter, the pagan Rome celebration. At least during that year it did, but it changes every year. We forgot to mention an event. I said there were four events. Passover, seven days of feasting, unleavened bread, Easter, and then the resurrection of Christ. Resurrection of Christ. Easter and resurrection day are not the same day. They're different days because they're different things. Easter is a different day every single year. Passover is the same day every year. And if you translate Easter in Acts chapter 12 to Passover, you done got yourself a, a contradiction in your Bible. But we don't have any contradictions in our King James Bible. The Bible says every word of God is pure. We want every word, all the right words. 
And if people say, well, it's harder to read, okay, fine. Give me a Bible that's harder to read if it's right. <laughs> Why do I want one that's wrong? Because it's easier to read. I can't read it. What do you take your kids out of school when the reading gets too hard? I just, I don't understand people's and their argumentation. Easter, they say, not that go to another argument is that it should be Passover because of the Greek word used, which is Pascha. Now, I am not a Greek scholar by any means, nor do I speak any Greek. I just look these things up and read on them. But that's the word. I don't even know if I'm saying the word right. Now, I have a couple of friends that speak some Greek, and they, and they like having these conversations with, with folks, but I, I'm not one of them. So some say Easter should be translated as Passover because the Greek word is Pascha. We we'll also say that Greek and Hebrew lexicons do show that Pascha is defined uh, as Passover and not Easter. And that's true, except it's not completely true. Because all of the all of the lexicons don't show that that word Pascha is translated only as Passover. Alexander Hislop's work in Two Babylons, Pasch is also known as Easter. In the Oxford Greek Dictionary, Pascha is also shown and translated as Easter. So you can't use an argument unless you exhaust that argument. And people do that with words in the Bible. They say, well, I see a word here. I'll just run all the cross references and see, see there's the meaning. <laughs> the problem with that is you have to take into consideration context. We've done this so many times with the word gospel. We've done this so many times with the word salvation. Just because you see saved or salvation, you can't run all the cross references and say, see here, this is this is what you got to do to be saved. Yeah, but except that's talking about your physical salvation. So this idea of just running words and getting cross references and clumping them all together at the exclusion of context is how we get ourselves into trouble we've got to get context well greek lexicon said okay well did you read all the greek lexicons no why well because i don't read greek i know you don't read greek and neither do i but you look something up from an argument that you wanted to agree with we've got to look at all the arguments and then make a decision that's unbiased where'd you get easter in 1522 luther translated it as oster that's the german word for easter he relied heavily on Erasmus's Greek text. That was in 1522. 1526, William Tyndale uses Easter. By the way, Tyndale is uh, known for inventing the English word Passover. He's given credit for that. But he uses Easter. In 1539, the Coverdale Bible or the Great Bible uses Easter. 1557, the Geneva Bible uses Easter. Now in 1660, on that edition, they did remove it. 1568, the Bishop's Bible uses Easter. And then we come to 1611, the authorized version has it right with Easter. Accurate translations of the Bible rely on context. And the translators of the King James Bible got it right. And this isn't just, well, let's just grab, let's just grab that word and we just have to make the King James Bible right. So we're going to, no, this is, let's look at it. Let's research it. Let's understand both sides of the argument, and the Bible will always prove itself 
to be true. Also, when you see Passover in the New Testament, it always refers to the actual meal. Angel Lord passed over Egypt one night. He didn't do that seven nights in a row. Then were the days, April 15th to the 21st. And it was clear then, it was clear the Passover had already passed. But guess what hasn't passed in Acts chapter 12? The pagan holiday of Easter hasn't passed. And if you were a Roman citizen, which would make you a Gentile, or if you were a uh, if you were a Christian who was a Roman who had got converted, you wouldn't have any problem understanding what Easter was. They would be very, very familiar with the term. If somebody gets saved out of Jehovah Witnesses, they are very familiar with the terms that the Jehovah Witnesses use. That's why they make better witnesses for Christ than I would. Because I haven't been brought up in that. I can't relate to that like they can. They speak that language. Same with a Mormon. Yeah, I know some things. Yeah, you know some things. But you get an ex-Mormon who came to Christ. Man, give us that guy to go to the Mormon convention. Let him head up that thing. He can speak their language. He knows where their next thought or two or three are going we're standing there like well what does he mean by that and we got to go study it out and then we figure it out but by then it's too late if you were part of pagan rome you knew the language you knew what was going on herod was a pagan he wasn't a jew the pagan holiday easter was a few days away some will say this easter just means resurrection and is completely Christian. To which I would say in the context, you're really going to try to convince me that Herod, he was waiting to celebrate the resurrection? No. He hated Christ. The Jews put him on a cross, crucified him on Passover. They got their own celebrations. John the Baptist's head was cut off, put in a charger. Or was Herod celebrating a resurrection? If Easter means Passover, or I'm sorry, if Easter means resurrection, we all know Herod is not celebrating the resurrection of Christ. But was he celebrating a resurrection? This pagan Rome celebration of Easter the word Easter and Pascha, you can say that they were words used interchangeably. Pagan Rome celebrated their festival around the same time, and that's what's unraveling in Acts chapter 12. And there was a resurrection around Easter. It was a resurrection of none other than Tammuz, who was the sun god. So when they want to make this argument, well, Easter just means resurrection. Okay, fine. It means resurrection. But they weren't celebrating the resurrection like we celebrate the resurrection. They weren't preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ like we do. When we give the good news of the gospel. What were they celebrating? Oh, they were celebrating a resurrection, all right. The resurrection of Tammuz, the sun god. Who's Tammuz? Well, Noah, 
had a son, Ham. Noah's son, Ham, had a son, Cush. Cush married Semiramis. They had a son named Nimrod. When Nimrod's father, Cush, died, Nimrod married his own mother, who would be Semiramis. And Nimrod was worshipped by the people. Nimrod's wife slash mother, Semiramis, became a powerful Babylonian queen. Nimrod's enemies ended up killing him. His body was cut up and put in various parts of his kingdom. And Semiramis had all those body parts gathered together except one. Anybody want to guess which one? The reproductive organ. Semiramis claimed that Nimrod could not come back to life without it. She told the people of Babylon that Nimrod had ascended to the sun. This is sun worship. And was to be called Baal. And we all know who Baal is. The sun god. Semiramis created a mystery religion where she was a goddess. And as a goddess, she claimed immaculate conception. And she taught that the moon was a goddess as well. And it went through a 28-day cycle and ovulated when full. And guess where she came down from? The moon. In a giant moon egg that fell, you know where? In the Euphrates River. And guess when that happened? You got it. The spring equinox. After the first full moon, the first Sunday after that. And you have your Ishtar, Easter, Semiramis celebration. Semiramis became known as Ishtar. And her moon egg became known as Ishtar's egg. When she later became pregnant, pregnant, she claims her conception was from, guess where? The rays of the sun god Baal. And when that happened, guess who was resurrected? Good old Tammuz. Good old Tammuz. That whole thing is surrounded about around a resurrection that has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Easter Sunday, that Easter celebration was after the spring equinox, after the first full moon, and it's movable. That's why you will have the date fall anywhere between March 22nd and April 25th, I think it is. It's the name of the goddess of spring. And Easter was a pagan festival of Ishtar. There was a regenerating. It'd be the earth regenerating itself after a long winter. The earth reproducing itself, rabbits and eggs and fertility. And it was the resurrection of, they didn't celebrate, Herod did not celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It was the resurrection of the false god sun god Tammuz. We'll get into this this evening, but in Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 44, Ishtar, the female fertility goddess, is known as the queen of heaven. So make sure you come back this evening 
uh, because we're going to give some more detail about some other items surrounding this Easter festival. But no, make, make no mistake about it. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. We're going to end up finishing there. 1 Corinthians 5. Oh, where am I here? Okay. 1 Corinthians 5. That's an easy one. We all got to Ezra, so that's 1 Corinthians 5 is no problem. There's no mistake in the King James Bible. The word Easter is there for a reason. There are four things we need to understand that are celebrated. The Passover was a day. The days of unleavened bread were seven days. That was a feast. Easter was a pagan festival that Herod and pagan Rome celebrated. And then there is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which I don't know about you. I celebrated it yesterday because I told somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I told somebody probably the day or two before, as I'm sure you did. When do we celebrate the resurrection? We should be celebrating it every day. We should be. Because there's no gospel. There's no good news without the resurrection. If you're not telling people that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead after you've told them that they're a sinner, they can't pay for their sins, Christ died on the cross, was buried. If you stop there, they have no hope and neither do we. You have got to tell them about the resurrection. You have got to tell them about that. First Corinthians 5, verse number 7. We'll finish with the one who is worthy. Worthy, First Corinthians 5, verse number 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. Leaven, we know, is a picture of sin. They didn't eat bread with leaven in it. And you need a body with no leaven in it. You need a body with no sin, and you can't have that unless someone who took his sin upon his body gives you his imputed righteousness and stands as your advocate. That's why it says, for even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Both the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now I write unto you an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then ye must needs go out of the world. I don't want to keep company with that type of crowd. And if there's other festivals that are being celebrated that aren't Christian and have a different origin, I don't want to keep company with that crowd of idolaters. Christ is my Passover. Christ is the one who sacrificed himself for me. And that's who I want to keep. And that's who I would urge you to keep at the forefront of your mind. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.